0: Turn to Philippians chapter four. If you're with us, thank you. We are uh, walking through this letter. We were making real good progress, and we got kind of bogged down, if you want to call it that, in chapter four. But we had several things going on, and Lord's supper, and but we're going to make a little progress today. Philippians chapter four. We're going to read verse two through nine. It's going to be our scripture reading this morning. But we're going to be looking specifically at verses 6 through 9. Paul, he started this church on a second missionary journey. He has received a gift from the Philippian believers as he is imprisoned in Rome awaiting trial. Things aren't looking good for Paul, but yet Paul is rejoicing. He is thankful, and he has peace. But he has addressed a couple of issues. One is with a couple of sisters, Yodi and Sineke. Let's read about them in verse 2. I entreat Yodi and I entreat Sineke to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Well, the question that I had as I read this text was Yodi and Sineke, Paul addressed their squabble and he's wanting them to be unified and I I want to know, did they reconcile what do you think you think they reconciled I we don't know we're not told the rest of the story but if they obeyed the the commands in verses 4 and 5 I would say they most assuredly did did they rejoice because they were born again Of course rejoicing is done in the Lord right we rejoice because of what God has done for us because of the salvation we have we have regardless of our circumstances we can have joy because of who we are in Christ. Were they gentle, reasonable with one another because Jesus' return is imminent? If they were rejoicing and they were gentle, then they most assuredly reconciled. And up to verse 6 here in chapter 4, we've seen unity and we've seen joy and we've seen gentleness being promoted. And here, Today we're going to look at peace. Peace is promoted and and rightly so because a believer, as Christians, our lives should be characterized by unity and joy and gentleness and peace. Not that we are always at peace or we're always rejoicing or we're always unified, but that should be the characteristic of our lives. We should be united and joyful and gentle and at peace And just as incredulous was the exhortation Paul gave us to rejoice always, no matter what's going on in your life, Paul here is telling us, or he's telling these persecuted believers, and of course it applies to us as well, not to be anxious. We think about the Apostle Paul, he could give this command, if anyone could. He is in prison, and if anyone had a right to be anxious, it would be Paul. He's awaiting trial not sure of his future he had a good reason to be anxious but he says be anxious for nothing don't worry about anything many commands in the scriptures are, are far reaching are lofty we think about God tells us to love him with everything we have with our heart soul mind and strength love our neighbor as ourself that's pretty lofty Standard for us rejoice all the time no matter your circumstances have joy in the Lord it's pretty lofty and here we see another one today (laughs) to be at peace to have peace regardless of what's going on in your life it's pretty a pretty lofty goal two points from the sermon today is the first one is quiet time prayers aren't sufficient for warding off worry verses six and seven now quiet time prayers aren't sufficient for warding off worry now i'm not opposed i'm not knocking quiet times what i mean by quiet times our devotionals we have and it should be uh sometime in the day we draw near the lord and read the scriptures and 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 pray and talk to the lord spend time with them and, and it could be in the morning that's for me the optimal time we see jesus doing that but some, for some people, that doesn't happen. Sometimes it's on break, and sometimes it's it's at night before you go to bed. What, whatever, those times are good. Those devotional times, those times where we study the scriptures in order to know God's will, and we we cast our cares upon the Lord and we talk to the Lord. And some of you have different different um, habits. Sometimes you journal. Sometimes you you, you take notes on your Bible study. Sometimes you um, you know you you. you you sit up, sometimes you walk around. I do a lot of mine in here early, early in the morning before anybody gets here, walking around in the sanctuary. You know, we have different postures, different habits, different ways of doing that, but, but, but we need to have devotion time with the Lord. I'm not knocking that. That should be a habit of you as a believer. And if you're like, well, I'm a believer, but I don't have that habit. You need to have that habit. But notice verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything. This is a negative command. And then, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So you've got a negative command don't do this, but then do this, right? It's positive. Don't be anxious. Cast your care, take your worries to the Lord, right? And there's a certain way of doing that. And then, verse 7 is a promise that we're given. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious over little things. Is that what it says? No, it says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious at all. Now, anxiety has always been a, a problem with mankind ever since Adam. You remember Adam when he blew it in the garden? He ate the forbidden fruit, and the Lord asked him a question Adam, where are you? Where was Adam? Why, why was he hiding? Because he had a little anxiety going on, right? He was a little anxious, right? Yeah, since that day, we've been anxious. Mankind has. and There are some healthy anxieties. Let's, let's think about that for a second. Some healthy natural fears. I, I told you a story of, of my oldest daughter, Carly. We were in a, a apartment complex. We lived on the 18th floor, but there was... In the midst of all these high-rise apartment buildings, there's places to play, little play areas. It's all concrete, but there's a little bit of flower bed type stuff. And, um, and she was pl- playing in the flower beds one day some, somehow, some way, and she found this little snake, and she was holding the snake. And I was kind of amazed. Like, man, my daughter here, she's playing with a snake. That was kind of interesting. Um, and I didn't think a whole lot about it until all the older grandmas came around. They started yelling and getting all excited about this snake and got to find out it was a viper it was a poisonous snake you know and she's playing with this snake well my daughter at this point in time she had not uh developed a healthy fear of snakes she has since then she's a little bit more fearful than she used to be but see the, a fear of snakes that, that's a healthy fear a natural fear it could keep you safe this week I changed some receptacles out. I don't; Those receptacles wear out. You know, you go to plug your phone in and you stick it in. And if you move the cable at all, it pulls it out. Don't you hate that? That drives me crazy. So I, it's been bothering me for like a year. Well, I guess it didn't bother me too bad because it took me a year to change them out. But I did change them out this, this weekend. And before I changed the, the receptacles out, guess what I did? Yeah, I kicked a breaker. Why? I have a healthy fear of electricity. I don't want to get electrocuted, right? And I always hear that, the story, you know, cause when we are overseas, it, everything was 220. Like, man, you got to be real careful because that stuff right there, it'll zap you once, and you're gone. So if you know the stuff in America, it like hangs on to you, you know, and you can't turn loose. I hear all those stories, and I have these pictures going on in my mind. I have a healthy fear of electricity. Or when it's... Um, when it's raining and it starts thundering and lightning, what do we do? Thundering and lightning, we usually get inside. Why? We have this fear of lightning, and it's a, it's a healthy fear. So there are some anxieties, if you want to call them that, some fears that are, that are healthy. And, and there are healthy concerns we have. Other maybe healthy anxieties is, is concern for people. We're believers, as Kayla mentioned, shared her testimony. She's born again. Well, we've experienced this life. We have life. We have life. We were dead, and now we're we're made alive. And we have this testimony, this story. Well, we want to share this story with others because what Sammy has experienced in the Lord, he wants other people to experience, and he's afraid. He has a little anxiety about that. He has some healthy concern about people in his life, maybe family members, maybe it's friends at school, maybe it's teachers, maybe it's neighbors, maybe it's some of the folks he goes to church with, but we have this, this healthy concern about other people. Paul, he had a healthy concern about others. In 2 Corinthians 11, 28, he tells us, and apart from other things, as he's in the middle of this letter, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxieties for all the churches. Paul had a little healthy concern going on about the churches that he had started and these believers that were struggling in life. So this is this having this, this concern for other people, that's a healthy, godly concern. It's a healthy anxiety, if you will. And, and being concerned about our own sin, our own tendencies of sin, we should be a little anxious about that or have, have some concern about our own selves. You know, say, sometimes you have kids, you know, parents, your, your kids say, Well, Dad, you don't trust me. Yeah, and, and a really good way to nip that in the bud is like, I don't trust myself. Why would I trust you? Parents, we get really naive because um, we live lost, like lost people when we we're teenagers. And then when our kids get to be teenagers, if they're a believer or not, we kind of assume naively that they're not going to do the same things we did, you know? There's a, there's a concern we should have about our own lives. I know I have a propensity to sin. There are certain struggles that I have, certain sins that I stay away from, right? There are certain types of TV shows I dare not watch, because I don't want to go there. Because I know my my struggles in life. So there's a a, a healthy fear in, in that regard, right? I'm afraid I'm going to blow it. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my witness and my testimony. So I stay away from certain things. Those are healthy fears. Those are healthy anxieties. Ken Hughes he says this. No good architect does a good job of building a bridge without sometimes waking up at night and checking his figures, the quality of his medals, and the quality of his design. Think about a student. No good student doesn't, time from time to time, like Sarah back there, from time to time she has a little healthy anxiety of whether she studied enough or not. Healthy anxieties, right? Here in verse 6 it tells us not to be anxious about anything at all. Now this can't be referring to the natural fears mentioned that i just mentioned right these healthy fears so there must be anxieties that are unhealthy and sinful so what are these sinful anxieties tim bryant he says he's a biblical counselor he says sinful fear is believing someone or something to be more in charge of your future good and bad than god let me read that again Sinful fear is believing someone or something to be more in charge of your future good and bad than God. Sinful anxiety. Worry is thinking on that which you fear above God. Just an example, maybe. Maybe you've got some anxiety about your friends, what your friends are going to think when you abstain from lost person activities. right? You're a born-again believer. Your friends, they're not... This is kind of my story. I was born again, my friends weren't believers, and I had this anxiety about what my friends were going to think when I abstained from loss-person activities. So you're more fearful of person, the fear of man, than you are God. that's sinful. That's sinful anxiety. And we have a lot of anxieties, don't we? One pastor, he said, "Our hearts are fear factories." We have all these anxieties. We take the smallest thing and, and our hearts take a hold of it and, and blow it all out of proportion. And our nature, our sinful nature, is always worst case scenario. And we have a thought, we have these thoughts, it's all, it, 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 we tend to run with worst case scenario. I'm afraid this is going to happen and, and before you know it, it's blown out of proportion and you've made some big deal. And usually we have these fears and anxieties about things that never Actually, happen. They never come to fruition. But we're so bottled up and paralyzed by our anxieties, often times. Think about it: bills, am I going to have money to pay the bills? Job security. We have anxiety about our kids being worldly. We have anxiety about not getting the promotion. And this is what's crazy. For some of us, we, we have anxiety about getting the promotion, right? Because we want this job promotion, we want this job opportunity, we want to be able to move up. But some of us, we're, we're, we're anxious about getting a an opportunity, another job offer. I don't want that. Oh, it caused me too much stress. I have to make that decision, right? And then these anxieties, you know, we, we have anxieties about our friends and our what people think and... Grades and future and college and marriage. Will I get married? You know? Will I not? All these anxieties. And so it manifests itself physically. How does it manifest itself physically in our lives, in our bodies? For you. Like, what happens for you? Because we, we all have anxieties. We all have anxieties. All of us do. We all have struggle with worrying, sinful Worry. Not trusting the Lord. But how does it manifest itself in our bodies? For some of us, we, 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 you look at your nails. Some of you don't have nails, right? Because you're doing this. See, Lydia, you, you, just, you just stuck your finger. you chewing on your nails, see? Yeah. My preaching makes her nervous. And some of you right now are, are anxious. I'm going to call your name, right? Yeah, we're chewing our fingernails. For some of us, we get heartburn, indigestion. For some of us, it's an upset stomach. For some of us, our blood pressure is raised, right? You can tell it. You're anxious because your blood pressure is, Maybe your heart races. For some, it's insomnia. I hate that. I hate it, right? You got stuff on your mind. You're just anxious, and so you just lay there, and you just, man, I got to get up. I gotta get up at five. And you just toss and turn and toss and turn. Because you got all this on your mind. You just can't sleep. Never happened to you, that's me. It kills me. Yeah, it manifests itself. Don't be anxious, Paul said. It's very lofty. You know, it's a high, it's a high standard. Don't be anxious about anything. Hmm. The way to be anxious for nothing is that we pray about everything. That's what I mean by your devotional prayer time, your quiet time prayer time, is not sufficient. Not that it's, not, not that it's bad. No, we ought to do those things. Oh, well, preacher, don't want us to do devotions anymore. No, do that, but do it more. The way to escape anxiety and to be rid of it is to pray about everything. So that means it's this continual. And we see that in the scriptures, don't we? Isn't it amazing? And I say that a lot but you have one author says one thing and another author says another and it, it's, it brings back John fifteen five. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you, you can do nothing. It's that remaining aspect. What does it mean to remain in the Lord? Part of it is just talking to the Jesus, just talking to the Lord throughout the day, right? This positive command is to take these worries to him and allow him to carry these burdens for us. I mean, how good is God that he commands us to tell him our needs? He wants us to bring our needs to him. It says here, make supplication. You know, on Wednesday nights, if you're here on Wednesday nights, we, we, do a, a, we have a prayer time, and we use an acronym. It, we, it's ACTS, A-C-T-S, and it's A is adoration. That's praise, right? So we'll spend time praising the Lord. We have some confession time because we're all sinful people, right? <laughs> we do it here Sunday morning. We do it Wednesday night. We just confess, get in the habit of doing that a lot. T is for Thanksgiving. We'll get to that in just a second. And then S is supplication. That just means you're just making your request known to the Lord. You're just interceding. You're, you're asking God for stuff for you for others right but in this case it's for for you there's a family who put their grandmother on her first ever plane ride she'd never been on a plane before and she was really anxious about it and on a return flight they pick her up at the airport and kind of jokingly said well grandma how was it the plane hold you up okay and she grudgingly replied, well, yeah, and then she quickly added, but I never did put all my full weight down on it, you know? And many of us Christians, we're kind of like that, I think. We all are. The truth is we're, we're being subs- sustained every day by this sovereign God of the universe. But we're afraid to put our full weight down on them, right? And as a result, we're plagued with anxiety and we have heartburn and ingestion I've got it in my desk drawer in my truck, the little Pepsi pills, right? Some of you are Rolaids and your Tums people, right? Um, and, and what happens is we're not able to enjoy the flight because we're we've got all this anxiety and he says here to offer these supplications with thanksgiving. Now this is important because I think this is talking about kind of your prayer posture. Like how do you come to God? So we, we come to him with our prayers, we take him our, our needs, but we come with a thankful heart. So are we, I think what, it, what that's referring to, are we demanding, you know, of God, like treating him like a souped-up Santa Claus? Or are we coming to him with a humble, non-demanding mindset, acknowledging that everything good we have comes from him? If we go to the Lord every day and, and, and we go to him, in the back of our mind, we know everything about hell is a privilege. Then what happens? We're, we're thankful. And I think it's just referring to our posture, just being humble to bring in our needs to the Lord. Lord, you can help me. I know you can help me. I know I don't deserve your mercy and your help and your grace and your peace, but I need it. Here's my needs, Lord. This is what I'm anxious about. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm thinking about this and I'm I know it's wrong. I shouldn't be thinking this way. And I'm, worst case scenario, right, in our mind, I'm running with it. My mind runs with, worst case scenario, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. I've got it all played out in my mind. And we all do that. Imaginary scenarios that never, never, most of them never even happen. And we get all worked up about it. And we take to the Lord, Lord, I don't know why I'm thinking this way about this person. This person is good to me. Why am I thinking this way about this person? It's got me all anxious and aggravated and help me. Yeah, that, with thanksgiving, right? We see elsewhere in James chapter 4, verse 8, and this is, the, the context here is along the lines of repentance and, and confession, but it, it says draw near to God and he'll draw near to you, and that's what we need to do when we're anxious We draw near to the Lord, and what does he do for us? He draws near to us. We experience his presence and feel his embrace. Not physically, but that's what happens. It's a supernatural thing. And and this is an echo in our passage here in Philippians 4 of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. If you remember, Matthew chapter 6, God says don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink and and your clothing like your daily provision, right? He says, he's referring to the birds. God feeds the birds and he dresses and clothes the lilies. Will he not also take care of you? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But then what? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Real similar there. Don't be anxious, but seek the Lord. You got all these thoughts and concerns and worries. Take them to the Lord, right? Yeah. And peace here is mentioned several times. Verse 7, the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then lastly there in verse 9, the God of peace will be with you. Yeah, this peace of God is is a result of prayer. And this peace surpasses understanding and a couple of different thoughts about what that means, but I, I think this is what it's referring to. Well, firstly, it says guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is peace. It surpasses understanding, and it guards our hearts and minds in Christ. Jesus. the guard in our hearts and minds. I think it's guards from what? It guards us from more anxious thoughts. I think that's what that's referring to. But there surpasses our understanding. I think it. I think that's what. I think this is what that's referring to. And there's several different thoughts about this. I think I've landed. I think I. I think I've got this right. Um, when when we shouldn't have peace, there's peace. It surpasses our understanding. Let me give you an example in life. My cousin was in a car wreck, a terrible car accident, and she was comatose. And they didn't know if she was going to make it. I mean, it was touch and go, touch and go for weeks, not just days, weeks. She was in a a coma. And the doctor had told my my aunt, my uncle, not sure how this thing's going to go. It's day to day, right? Still not sure, you know but my aunt who loves the lord she had this peace and from a from a outside perspective from a worldly perspective someone who you know at any moment could lose their daughter to have this peace it, it's beyond our understanding right she should be beside herself with worry and anxiety and just, you know. But she wasn't. When we draw near to the Lord, casting our cares on him, for he cares for us, and he gives us peace, it's not a, just a natural thing. It's a supernatural occurrence. It's a miraculous work that takes place that helps us know that God is in control, even though our, even over our difficulties, whether it turns out, not to be so bad or not, God is going to use this for our good and for his glory. So my question maybe for you is, have you had the peace, experienced this peace which passes all understanding? And we could talk about that a little more, but I think if, if you're if you a believer, you've been walking with the Lord any length of time, you've had that, you know, where you drawn, you drew near to the Lord and the Lord drew near to you and you experienced his presence and and that peace that you couldn't really explain. Shouldn't really be there, but it's there. Because God is good to us. Who draw near to him and call him Father. So I hope you've experienced that. If you've never experienced that, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'd love to talk to you about that because you should, as a believer, you should be experiencing that peace. Peace. And it's just like obedience, right? We don't get it right all the time. And so anxious thoughts, we draw near to the Lord, draw near to the Lord, and he gives us peace, but we we cease drawing near to him, and we, we have anxious thoughts, right? They just pop in our mind, and we, they, we run with it, and before you know it, we're anxious again. We don't do it perfectly, but if you're a believer, you should be having that peace. Um, it, you should be experiencing that. If not, I'd love to talk to you about that now that our hearts and minds are at peace right this peace that passes all understanding what do we do can we just take a break do we just coast okay right now i'm at peace and everything's good do we just kind of coast put on cruise control no this is our second point verse 8 and 9 having the peace of god does not mean that we are passive but active verse 8 and 9 there's a receiving of peace right verse six and seven we draw near the Lord and we 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 have peace but there is a pursuing of peace as well I mean as we just live life we have these anxious thoughts anxious thoughts about our future anxious thoughts about relationships anxious thoughts about in and everything in worst case scenario it gets we get more and more anxious so we go to the Lord, right, and we draw near to him, and he gives us peace. So we, we avoid anxiety by drawing near to the Lord, but at the same time we pursue peace by thinking God's thoughts. Look at verse 8. And this, is not a, this isn't positive thinking because um, positive thinking really isn't helpful if what you're thinking about is wrong, right? Right? I'm going to do well on this test, students. You know, I'm really going to do well on the test. You go to the test, and you're like, I'm going to do well. I'm really going to do well. I'm going to do well. I, I know I can do it. I can do it. I got this. That's what kids say. I got this. I got this. But if you don't prepare, guess what? You can say, I got this, and you just really you know, motivate yourself, self-motivation. But if you didn't prepare for the test, you're not going to do well. doesn't matter how positive you are about it. You're going to do terribly like that little engine that could mentality. You know, it just really doesn't work, really, if you're not preparing. And anyway, Paul mentions these eight types of thought. Um, And some of these we understand. They're really clear. And some of them aren't, aren't so clear. Let's read this again. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, again, it's not just positive thinking. We're going to be positive here. you know. No, but these are God's thoughts. These are his thoughts. And we have peace, so what do we do? We don't take a break. No, we, we think his thoughts. And I think sometimes these, some of these thoughts here are, um, are a little bit difficult for us to understand, maybe. And I was just thinking about application, and I'm hoping small group leaders, Chris, Blake, Rodney, Miss Jane, I'm hoping you're, you're going to be able to think through this this week, and the Lord's going to give you some direction here on some really specific application. And I'll give a few here, but um, look at them. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. think about these things so you're taking the very first part whatever is true he says think about these things so what is true well, John Piper he says those who have been given God's peace have an allergy to what is false you don't think about untrue things so when untrue things come we, we take those things captive well how do we know what's true and what's not well his, his the scriptures right his, his word yeah so think about this, when you're discouraged, you, you've been struggling with a sin problem, a stronghold in your life, and you're just battling, 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 and you keep taking to the Lord, and you're keeping short accounts, but it's just like you, you, you can't get over the hump, and you just keep struggling with the same old, same old, same old. And you think, you know what, you have this thought in your mind, you know what, the Lord He's just going to give up on me. Because I just keep having the same old struggle. No, you take that thought captive. Now, that's not, that's not true. Because God's not going to give up on us. How do we know that? How do we know? Where? How do we know he's not going to give up on us? Where does it say God is not going to give up give up on us? Yeah, right. Great, Amanda. Philippians, Philippians one six. Yeah, the work he began in us. What's he going to do? He's going to finish it. My sorry tale ain't going to be sorry forever. He's going to make me like him. I'm going to be like Christ. Positionally, we're we're just as righteous as we'll ever be. You ever think about that? Right now, if you're in Christ, you are as righteous as you ever will be. When you get to heaven, you will not be more righteous. That's true. Because we're clothed in righteousness of Christ. The problem is we've got to grow into our position, don't we? Our conduct doesn't match our position. But, The scripture says he's going to make me like Christ. I'm not always going to be a prideful piece of trash. I'm not always going to be self-absorbed. No, I'm not. The work he began, he's going to finish. And so we take that thought captive. That's not true. And we we think God's thoughts. No, he is going to help me overcome that. He is going to eradicate this sin habit from my life. So we ask... Is it true? Is it true to the facts? Or am I exaggerating? Is this true at all? Is it true? This, that one's pretty easy, I think. Helpful and easy. We can understand that. Look at the next. Whatever is honorable, think about these things. Well, what does it mean to be honorable? I think sometimes when we're going through these, it's, it's, it's helpful as you're thinking through these to maybe think about the antithesis, the opposite. Whatever is honorable, think about these things. What, is, what are honorable things? Well, maybe it's helpful to say whatever is dishonorable, whatever is shameful. Don't think about those things, but think about what is honorable. It in, it in, if something's honorable, it, in, it inspires respect. Like Titus 2, chapter 2, verse 2 Speaking of older men, it's, it's, it's in a passage where it's talking about older men and older women and how they should handle themselves and how we should respond to them. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified. That's the, that's the word honorable. Same word in the original language. It's just translated and there, dignified. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, and loving, and steadfastness. We're to, be, we're to have dignified thoughts. We're to have honorable thoughts. Also, 1 Timothy 3, 8, Deacons, talking about qualification of deacons, are to be dignified. So this one's a little bit more difficult, maybe for us, a little more obscure. Maybe this will be helpful. Is this thought beneath me as a child? I'm a child of the King. Is this thought that I'm having is it beneath me as a child of the King? Is it honorable or is it dishonorable? The next, whatever is just think about these things. So we're, we're we're at peace with God. We're pursuing peace. We want to continue to have peace. So what do we do? We think God's thoughts. We don't think things that are untrue. We don't think about things that are dishonorable. And we, we think just or right thoughts. Someone is just or right if they're characterized by obedience. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Joseph, Mary, found out Mary's pregnant. He wanted to do and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He's a just man. It means he's, he's a right man. He's a good man. He's an obedient man. Maybe a question we ask about our thoughts is, is this thought reflective of the righteousness that Christ has purchased for me? Pure, this one's a little more uh, tangible. We can get our hands on this understand this a little bit more clearly. Whatever is pure, think about such things. Well, the opposite of pure is impure, right? Impurity. We, we think about sexual impurity. That's what usually comes to mind. I think that's accurate, but it's probably broader than that. But if a sexually impure thought comes to your mind, what do we do? We take those thoughts captive and, and think pure thoughts. If lustful thoughts come into your mind, we take those captive and we, we think pure thoughts. Thoughts. If you're married, a helpful thing, Proverbs 5.18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Of course, for wives, for husbands as well. Ronnie Millsap is always helpful. He sang that song. I'm having daydreams about night things in the middle of the afternoon. So what happens when you, men, you think, thoughts that are Chris and Stacy what happens when you think thoughts that are impure <laughs> they're here having a conversation I don't know if it's about Ronnie Millsap or what um, yeah what happens when you have a lustful thought as a married man really what happens you take that thing captive this is wrong this is impure Lord that's an impure thought help me and then what do you do those things those Desires, those bad thoughts, those impure thoughts, you think about who do you who satisfies your physical sexual needs, your wife. So what do you do? You think about your wife in that regard. That's where Ronnie Millsap comes into play. That's what we do. Pure thoughts. First Peter three, two, this same word is here talking about wives likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they s- see your respectful and pure conduct. pure conduct that's yeah so purity have pure thoughts not impure then lovely this is a little more obscure and maybe in your small groups I'm hoping Chris you and Blake Rodney Miss Jane y'all can have this conversation um, more specifically about these some of these are just kind of hard to get our handle on but what is lovely you think about something pleasing or beautiful now what, I, what a good help and it's what we do you try to find that same word used elsewhere in the scriptures you can use a concordance you find the original in the word in the original language where is it used elsewhere or you can use a chain reference bible it is really helpful as well you'll find that, where is this word used elsewhere in the new testament but the, the problem with this word "lovely," is not used anywhere else in the New Testament. It's the only usage. So, um, yeah, lovely thoughts. What's lovely? That's what we need to think about. We don't think thing that is that is not lovely. And then commendable, or it, some translations say, of good report. We think about what is commendable. And then lastly. He summarizes, I think, all of these things. If there is anything worthy of praise, or I'm sorry, if there is anything excellence, or if there is any excellence, is there, if there is anything worthy of praise? I think what he's doing there, he's just kind of summarizing those first six. Think about these things. We're to have God's thoughts. We're to think about things the Lord wants us to think about, have His thoughts, and They're not earthly. They're not of this world. Worldly thinking is untrue and shameful and impure and unjust. And so what do we do? We, we take those worldly thoughts those, and we take them captive. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I think it's helpful. We just have to remember the context. Anytime, that's why sometimes we we have verses that help support what we're the point we're trying to make. We always have to find the context. And the context here is Second Corinthians ten five, It's not a person saying, I'm going to, um, let's read it. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Paul is talking about someone else there who doesn't, who's, doesn't have the right understanding of God. But it, we can apply that, I think, to our lives. You know, how do we take our thoughts captive and I think that that word picture is really good because that's what we do. we're like, uh, not going there, right? I'm not going there. I'm not thinking that. I'm not, you know. But our, as our minds are guarded by the peace of God, this peace it, it dictates we have these kind of thoughts and we do these kind of things. We work at it, and it is work. Even like just having peace is work. Drawing near the Lord is work. I mean, think about this. You're, you're in your study time, and uh, or maybe you're just, um, you're just really anxious, and you're driving somewhere, and you just turn the radio off and everything, and you're just like, you're trying to draw near the Lord because you're anxious. And you know this, you've memorized Philippians 4, 6, and 7. I don't want to be anxious, and I want to draw near the Lord because I want to have the peace of God because I'm just anxious, and I'm thinking thoughts that I shouldn't be thinking. But as you do that, what happens? Even as you draw near the Lord, you get really distracted. You have to work at it. It's like work. Salvation is a free gift, but as we're being sanctified by the Lord, man, it takes work. We really have to bear down and 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 think about being disciplined and what we need to do. But we can get really distracted, even as we're trying to draw near the Lord and. we have to be active we have to work at taking our thoughts captive I think a good thing to do if you're is is writing down those things like journal And I don't journal all the time but I journal at, at times I used to journal a lot but I still do it from time to time but just, if you journal think about writing down okay what are some thoughts I had this week that were or even today not this week today that were not true that were not Honorable, that we're not pure, and, and write those things down. Just to think about your 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 thoughts. We have to work at it. Look at verse 9. So we have this peace, and we have to we have to work it, pursue peace by having God's thoughts, right? This peace of God, guarding our hearts and minds, it's supernatural. It occurs when we draw near to Him by faith, right? Giving Him our worries. And, and then the right type of thinking, thinking godly thoughts. But, but also this verse 9, disobedience has to occur. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me? Those are four, four verbs. See that? Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So not only we have peace, you know, we're drawn into the Lord, we're having those peaceful thoughts, we're, we're working it, thinking God's thoughts. We have to obey what we know we should obey. The things we should do, we should do. And the result is what? It's peace. And notice it doesn't say, and the, the peace of God will be with you. It says the God of peace will be with you. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because before it was the peace of God, now it's the God of peace. Well, it's both and, not either or, right? When you're when you're drawn near the Lord, Jerry, when, you, when you're anxious about whatever, you're drawn near the Lord and the Lord supernaturally gives you his peace, what are you getting? You're getting peace, you're getting God, right? Yeah, you're getting more, more of the Lord. Yeah. We see it elsewhere, John 14, 21. Isn't it neat? You see this, the same idea the same truth you see it elsewhere John 14:21 whoever has my commandments and keeps them he is it. Is, he is, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and i will love him and do what manifest myself to him that's what happens we obey the lord manifest himself self manifestation of christ there's a self manifestation of Christ when we we obey. We practice these things, we obey what we know, we should do, we get more of him. And these four verbs, we learn, we receive from others, we hear from another, we see in another. We're all learners. We learn the apostles, right? what they taught and we learn what Christ taught through the scriptures. or teaching someone teaching the scriptures, right? Look at look at verse eleven of chapter four. This is Paul. Just two verses down. We're going to get to this next week. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to be abound in any and every circumstance. Hold on a second. Um, Yeah, verse 11, I'm sorry. For I have learned, notice that I am, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. How does he learn? Who does he learn from? Paul was a learner as well, right? See, Paul didn't come up with any of these truths on his own. It's not like I made this stuff up. No, he was taught by the Lord, by the apostles. And so what do we do? We learn from the apostles, right? We learn from Paul. And we've seen time and time again here in the book of Philippians that we're to imitate those that are good examples for us. Jesus in chapter 2, he's the good example, right? Yeah, we're to be humble, be servants like Christ, right? Chapter 2, and also chapter 2, Timothy. I have no one like him who is genuinely concerned for you. Chapter 2, verse 20. Epaphroditus. Honor him, for he risked his life for the work of Christ. Yeah, imitate him. And then Paul, in, in chapter 3, verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So this this idea of, of imitation. Imitate these, and... and and again not the peace of God but the God of peace will be with you right and that peace will continue to guard your heart and mind but there's an active pursuit of peace you want peace in your life you pursue peace by taking anxious thoughts to him by thinking truth and discarding falsehood the things that are not true think God's thoughts and then thirdly by obeying so that's our, our, kind of our application for today pursue peace by taking our anxious thoughts to the Lord have you done that do you do that regularly? And receive the peace that passes all understanding. I think we need to surrender our thought lives, thought lives to Christ, taking our thoughts captive, being careful what we put in our minds. That's really important, too. It was interesting. I, I watched a, a, a movie this week. I don't watch a lot of TV, we don't watch a whole lot of TV at our house, but I was watching this TV show with a couple of my kids. And it's amazing how I thought about that movie for like two or three days after. Like we watched something at night, and then I woke up in the morning thinking about that movie. And incredible. It was a fine show. It wasn't anything terrible. It was, it was good. It was a wholesome show. But I thought about that show. So I think our thoughts, we really have to be careful about our thoughts. And that's another sermon for another day, of course. But we have to really be careful what we put in our minds because we want to think what? We want to think God's thoughts so we can have peace. We want to think tr- things that are true and, and honorable and, and just and, and pure and lovely, commendable. We, we want to think about those things. But we have to be really careful. If we're, if we're, the world, if we're putting the world in this garbage, it's going to be really hard for us to, to think about the things of the Lord and think God's thoughts. So I think that's something we need to be careful of. And don't get pushed around by our thoughts and emotions, but that's what happens a lot of times. We really have to work hard and be disciplined at taking our thoughts captive. And we ask those questions, is this thought true? And, and go through the list, is it true? Is it? And like I said, some of those are, are a little more uh, obscure than others, but is it, is it? this God's thoughts? Is this how he would think? Psalm 119, verse 9, we're going to close up. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. This idea of obeying. Paul says, don't imitate me. The things you've seen me do and, and you've heard from me, do those things, apply those things to your life. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living by keeping it according to your word. How can a, a young man keep his way true or honorable or, or lovely or commendable by keeping it according to your word? Yeah. And, and maybe you're here, last thing, and you're lost, meaning you've never repented and trusted Christ, work on the cross as your own. And the things we talk about, the peace of God, that is foreign to you. You've, you haven't experienced that. We, we think about obeying the Lord. Paul says, imitate me, obey the things you've heard, the things you've seen in me, the things you've heard from me, apply it to your life, and, and the God of peace will be with you, right? You'll have that peace. Obedience brings peace in your life. But if you take Jesus, all his teachings, and you could summarize it in, in, in three words, it would be repent and believe. And those are commands, isn't it interesting? These you think as we're talking about this, it's like we're in a counseling session or something. Like, well, you know, my opinion is, you know, you need to do this, and this will be helpful if you do that. That's not what's happening in this text. These are commands from the Lord, like "Thou shalt not kill." Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't lie. These are commands from the Lord. Don't be anxious. When you're anxious, take those thoughts to the Lord. Think my thoughts. Obey what you've heard, what you've seen. Obey. Those are are commands. So if you're lost, just like those things are commands, Jesus' message all of his preaching can be summed up in repent and believe. So if you've never repented and believed, you need to repent and believe. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're a child, right, a wee one, if you're a student, if you're an adult, if you have yet to repent and trust Christ, work on the cross as your own, you need to repent and trust Christ today. And that's the first steps for you to receive in peace. See, the Bible calls Jesus, he's the prince of peace. He is our peace. And, what, 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 and it's a little different than what we've talked about here in that, This is kind of like first steps to knowing the Lord. The Bible says you're at enmity with God. You're his enemy. You're separated from him. You don't know him. You can't know him because of your sin. But the Bible says that Jesus came, and and just as we've talked about all morning long, as we sang and as we talked, several have shared this, Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. He obeyed the commands of the Father. And that's what we have to have, at least. We have to obey those commands. We didn't do it. We've blown it. So we have to have somebody with that perfect record. And Jesus was that person. He's the only one that's ever had a perfect record, ever obeyed fully, completely, perfectly. So we need his record. And how we get that is by trusting that when Jesus died, he died for you. And when he rose from the dead, he rose so you could be made right with God. And you believe that. You believe he did die for me. And he he did rise from that on the third day. For me. God, I I'm a sinner. I'm a rebelled against you but I I want to know you give me your peace give me forgiveness I want to know you I want to follow you all my days that's the beginning to having the peace that passes all understanding you need to repent love to talk to you about that if you got a question about that if you're not sure if you're a believer or not and that's been weighing on your mind, I would love to talk to you. You can grab somebody else, another believer in here that you know. that would love to talk to you about that. Are you born again or are you condemned already? Church, let's be a, a church who takes our anxieties to the Lord and encourage one another. Take your anxieties to the Lord so we can have the peace that passes all understanding. Think God's thoughts. Obey what we know we should obey. Do what we know God wants us to do and that the peace, the God of peace will be with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that we, even though we have anxious thoughts, for us who are believers, we can be set free and, and the burden and the weight of that can be taken from us. And, Lord, it's not a a flippant thing. And some of our people are going through heavy struggles. And they are anxious about those struggles. But, Father, I pray that you would help us to draw near to you with those anxious thoughts. And I pray, Father, that you would take them and that you would lighten our loads. Father, help us to be people who continually, not just in five-minute devotional time, but continually bring our thoughts to you. Father, help us to treat you like you're the only one that can help us because you are. Father, help us to understand what it means to, to think whatever is true and honorable and pure and commendable. Help us to be, help us to think rightly. And Father, help us to obey. Do all that we know we should do we have the, the scriptures and we know uh, Jesus' example and the apostles' example. We have so many good examples to follow and even examples in our own lives. You put people in our lives that are that are trying to live out the, the apostles' teaching and Jesus' teaching. Lord, help us to imitate. Help us to obey. That we could receive the peace that passes all understanding. Father, there's, there's sick folks in our church. We ask for grace for them, that you would help them this week. Help us to be a, a church that that loves the sick and and the lowly and the needy. Help us be your hands and feet to those that have needs. Father, we're not sure what the week holds. Lord, we desire to be able to come and do Bible study, and we ask your will be done regarding the weather. Help us be safe and help us be um, salt and light for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.